Quickie Sexual Anatomy by Sam Wall and Heather Corinna. Sexual anatomy is about far more than genitals. We can explore and experience our sexuality and pleasure with potentially all the parts of the body. Here are some of the body parts most often involved when people explore sexuality and seek pleasure. The brain. The largest, most important, and most active sexual organ of the body isn't a penis or vagina, it's the brain. Sexuality is usually about the body. It's also just as much about thoughts and feelings. Even in the ways it is physical, we feel those sensations through our central nervous system. That's all brain stuff. Without a brain, we couldn't experience sexuality or pleasure. The brain also releases hormones that influence how sex feels. All our body parts are communicating with the brain during sex. The brain is also primarily responsible for orgasm is where orgasm actually happens. Aerogenesis. Aerogenesis is a term used to describe a part of the body that usually feels extra sensitive. That's because it's got a lot of sensory nerve endings. This can include the lips, tongue, palms, and fingers, the bottoms of the feet, the inner thighs, nipples, neck, ears, armpits, and the genitals. The perianal region of butt. The anus is the opening to the rectum inside the body that's visible that's visible between your buttocks. It and the rectum can be sites of sexual pleasure for people of any gender or sexual orientation. Then there's the prostate. The prostate is a walnut-sized gland in the body that's located below the back below the bladder. If you were born with a penis, you were probably born with a prostate. The prostate is very sensitive to pressure and touch. It can be pleasurable to have it stimulated. The pudendal nerve is also located in this area at the bottom of the spine. A lot of the feelings people have in their genitals during orgasm are the parts of sexual response are because of the pudendal nerve talking to the brain. <laughs> the pudendal muscle, which some people might call PC or Kegel muscles, is also in this area. It stretches from the pubic bone to the tailbone. It supports the pelvic organs. It usually contracts during orgasm. The perianal sponge is also in this region for people born with a vulva. That's all the outside portions of the genitals for someone with a vagina. It's eternal to the body between the bottom of the vaginal opening and the rectum. It's part of the clitoral system. It is made of nerve endings, erectile tissue, and blood vessels. A person might feel sensations of this sponge from stimulation to the vagina, clitoris, or anus, or the areas around them. The penis, any and all parts of the penis may be enjoyable or not when touched during sex or masturbation. The head of the penis usually has a higher number of sensory nerves than the shaft. If a person with a penis has a foreskin, that can also be a source of pleasure. It's full of sensory nerve endings. The testes and scrotum also have many sensory nerve endings. People can find sexual enjoyment through stimulation of their scrotum or testicles. The clitoris. The clitoris is similar to the penis. It is the only part of the body whose only known purpose is pleasure. The clitoral shaft is on the outside of the body above the urinary opening within the vulva. This is what most people call the whole clitoris. That's only one part of a much larger system that has parts both inside and outside the body. The crura, the corpus carvinosum, the urethral sponge, and the vestibular bulbs are all on the inside of the body. They are also parts of the clitoris that can provide pleasure. The vagina. The vagina is a muscular tube inside the body. On one end of it, it is the vaginal opening, the place where things can go inside. On the other on the other, the end inside the body ends at the cervix, which is opening to the which is opening to the uterus. The majority of nerve endings in the vagina are in the first third of it closer to the opening. You may have heard of the G spot inside the vagina. The G spot is also part of the clitoral system and is within that first third of the vagina. Touching that area can be pleasurable. The back two thirds of the vagina aren't very sensitive. This is one reason why people with vaginas usually won't reach orgasm or experience a lot of pleasure from vaginal intercourse alone. The labia in mons, the mons, the part of the vulva where most of the pubic areas has sensory nerve endings. The labia are the parts that look like lips or folds of skin. They are also very sensitive. 
Because of how everything fits closely together in the genitals, touching these body parts can also stimulate the parts of the clitoris. Not everyone's vagina, not everyone's genitals or the body parts behave the same way. Not everyone likes or feels the same things or areas of the body in, the, in that same way too. What feels good to one person during sex or masturbation can and often will change over time. It also won't always feel the same way with one partner as it does with another. Basically, what feels good to one person during sex and masturbation can not feel good to another person during sex and masturbation. What feels good varies from person to person, saying the same thing. That's one reason it's important for partners to talk to each other about what feels good during sex and masturbation, if the masturbation is mutual. Even though we all have the same or very similar body parts and systems, we each experience sex in, in unique ways. Um, I also encourage you all to read the part where it says to find out more about sexual anatomy and related topics. Um, so I'll have, I'll, you know, encourage you all to read that part. I, you know, yeah, read those parts. It, it tells you a lot about um, your human organs and functions. And the best way to close out is that That article is to say that sex is mostly between your ears, not your legs. The largest, most important, and most active sexual organ of the body isn't the penis or vagina. It's the brain and its structures. So that article that I just um, read a little piece of, you know, just read the related topics so you can get, full, you know, as educated as you can. Okay. Verywellmind.com, healthy sexual, NMC 22457. 10 Characteristics of a Healthy Sexual Relationship by Elizabeth Hartney, BSC, MSC, MA, PhD, Carly Snyder, MD, on October 22nd, 2020. Medically reviewed by um, the same people I just mentioned. It can be difficult for recovering sex addicts to know what a healthy, intimate relationship feels like. Marine Canning, M.A., LMFT, is a child abuse survivor, recovered sex addict, and relationship therapist identifies 10 key characteristics of a healthy sexual relationship. After sex addiction treatment in her book, Lust, Anger, Love, Understanding sexual addiction and the road to healthy intimacy. Before I read any further, I take sips of water and even tea to keep my throat hydrated. Because in the wintertime, you got to keep yourself hydrated. So if you hear me pause a little bit, that's me sipping so I can do the episode and not cough in the episode. Okay. Number one. Sex provides a feeling of well-being. Feelings of safety, connection, and affirmation occur in a healthy sexual relationship. It may take some time to move away from feelings of danger, disconnection, and shame, but it is worth the patience and perseverance. Emotional and physical sensations are felt. In a healthy, intimate relationship, both partners are aware of their own emotional vulnerability and physical sensations. These are experienced positively with no need for numbing or chasing the orgasm in quotations. Three, creativity and passion are rediscovered. This is not limited to sexual activity, but it could be a rediscovery of authentic creative activities such as playing music, painting, or writing. Sex no longer needs to be the only outlet for emotional expression. Four, you nurture yourself in non-genital ways. Healthy sexuality is not the exclusive channel for self-nurturance and is experienced more authentically if you regularly and deliberately experience pleasure in other ways. Find joy in physical and sensual activities like taking a hot bubble bath, enjoying a warm cup of tea, or dancing in the rain. Five, suffering and stress are tolerated as a part of life. 
Being able to cope with disappointment, tiredness, and difficulty without resorting to sexual relief is an important part of recovery. Other ways to cope include writing, listening to music, exercising, calling a friend, and doing relaxation exercises. Six, you can be emotionally vulnerable. Whereas sex addicts fear betrayal and sexualize their feelings to protect themselves from vulnerability, in a healthy, intimate relationship, you realize that vulnerability is central to relating honestly with others and self. Seven, you develop and maintain healthy boundaries with others and self. Sex addicts have difficulty with healthy boundaries, either being too rigid or not recognizing the importance of boundaries and keeping both people in the relationship safe, as well as keeping yourself safe. Developing healthy boundaries allows you to be vulnerable and safe at the same time. Eight, sexuality is well-balanced and moderate. While sex addicts live in extremes of sexual energy, experiencing either full-on excessive sexual tension or repressed walled-up sexual feelings, when you develop sexual maturity, you can control an appropriate flow of sexual energy. Nine, you are curious and caring about other people's reactions to you. Instead of taking what people say personally and reacting emotionally, Healthy intimacy allows you to try to understand what is going on for them. We all think and act differently, so open communication between you and others is the key to learning to empathize and understand others. 10. You learn to trust others. In overcoming sexual addiction, you must first focus on trusting yourself and learning to recognize your own truth. Then you can use healthy boundaries to keep yourself safe while trusting others' truths as you move through the stages of relationships. I also will add, you learn to trust yourself. Okay, they already said that, but I I had to reiterate that for me. You know, I am, I, for the first time in my life, I feel awesome about trusting myself. And I've, you know, it's good to learn to empathize and understand self. Have an open communication with yourself. Try to understand what's going on within yourself. And have a healthy intimacy with yourself, too. So, let's sum up this in my personal life. This is me talking off script, not reading anything right now. Sex for Antonio Ray Myers provides a feeling of well-being. Emotional and physical sensations are felt in the life of Antonio Ray Myers. Creativity and passion are rediscovered in the life of Antonio Ray Myers. Antonio Ray Myers nurtures himself in non-genital ways. Suffering and stress are appropriately tolerated as a part of life through healthy managing and healthy coping in the life of Antonio Ray Myers. Antonio Ray Myers is emotionally vulnerable. Antonio Ray Myers develops and maintains healthy boundaries with others and self. Antonio Ray Myers' sexuality is well-balanced and moderate. Antonio Ray Myers is curious and caring about other people's reactions to him. And Antonio Ray Myers is curious and caring about my reactions to myself. Antonio Ray Myers trusts others. And Antonio Ray Myers trusts himself. And my women partners have all the 10 characteristics of a healthy sexual relationship. Just like I do. I like being simple and getting to the point okay all right now it says five action steps.org for some reason it says four build positive relationships now before i go any further this applies to all everything i'm saying in this episode applies to all members of the lgbtq plus community the casual, non-monogamous, and promiscuous communities. 
and the entire gender and sexual diversity, not just men and not just women. Okay. Build positive relationships again. For most people, good relationships are essential to a happy and healthy life. And for many of us, romantic relationships and just... um, and other types of relationships are at the top of the list. Building relationships that are healthy and positive is key to our sexual health and well-being. But when it comes to this important life skill, many of us don't feel prepared. The good news is never too late to learn. What does a healthy sexual relationship look like? First, to build a healthy relationship, you need to know what a good one looks like. A positive relationship often has the seven ingredients below but it can take time to develop some of these qualities such as feeling an intimate bond with a partner. Number one, you both respect each other. This means you respect each other's values, desires, and needs. You feel that your ideas about what is okay and what is not okay in a relationship are always taken into account. Two, you feel safe. You trust that your partner will not do anything to physically or emotionally harm you even when they're upset or angry with you. Three, you feel a close intimate bond You feel like your partner knows the real you, and you really know your partner. You could be your true selves. Four, you could be open and honest. You don't keep your feelings bottled up inside. You talk openly with your partner, even if it's something they might not want to hear. Five, it feels balanced. Both of you feel like you have equal power in the relationship. One person should not be calling all the shots. Most are all of the time. Six, you may get into arguments, but you argue fairly. Yes, you read that right. Being in a healthy relationship means it's okay if you disagree with each other. Seven, all relationships need work and attention for sure, but the best sign of a healthy relationship is that it makes you happy most of the time. Making it happen, tips and advice. So this is the part where we, it'll be expanding more of what I mean when I say what I said. Building a healthy partnership is a two-way street and it doesn't happen overnight. Keep in mind that since people aren't perfect, relationships aren't 100% perfect either. But these tips can help you and your partner create and maintain a good, satisfying one. Respect and look out for each other. This means thinking about your partner's needs, values, and boundaries. Since you're both equally important, you should listen to each other and have an equal say in decisions. Good partners will encourage you, celebrate your success, and provide extra support if you're feeling low or sad. They will build you up rather than tear you down by criticizing or pointing out your flaws. Being a good partner also means that you're reliable and can be trusted. When you say going to do something, you do it. You expect the same from your partner. If you can't trust your partner, you might feel worried, insecure, or angry. You deserve to feel better. Tip 1. Be proud of each other. Give compliments and praise success. Example, your partner gets a promotion at work or a good grade at school. You say great job and congratulations even if you feel a little jealous. And the reason I feel jealous because this person cares about you care about them. Why you have jealousy? Two, make decisions to together. When deciding how to spend your weekend together, you agree that you each get to pick one activity. Three, be reliable. Do what you say you will do. Your friends press you to ditch your partner to go to a baseball game, but you stick with the original plan and go out to a movie. Four, support each other's choices. Your partner recently quit their job to go back to school. You think it's crazy to spend that kind of money, but your partner thought it out. Rather than second-guessing them, you offer support. Five, be there when your partner feels down. You plan an extra fun date to show you care. Six, for every criticism, consider giving one or more compliments to your partner. You want to tell your partner that they do something you don't like. Kindly and calmly tell them what you'd like to stop doing or change. And if possible, offer an alternative. On the same day, be sure to give your partner at least one compliment, maybe even more. Okay? Appreciate and make time for one another. Chances are you want to spend a lot of time with each other, especially at the start of something new. Strong relationships need time and attention. So even if you've been together for a while, life gets busy, it's still important to make time for each other. Valuing each other's differences and similarities is also key. Part of what makes a relationship exciting is that there are two different people in it with unique qualities. If we wanted someone just like us, we could hang out with ourselves alone. First tip, 
Be interesting and listen to your partner example. When you meet up for dinner, first you ask about your partner's day and share the talking time. In other words, don't dominate the conversation by talking about yourself throughout the entire meal. Two, value each other's unique qualities. Even if you are much more social, don't pressure your partner to attend every social event on your list. Three, each week set aside some date time. Recently, you, you have both been really busy. So you sit down with a calendar and block off time for just the two of you. It could be a few hours, a night out, or a full day. Four, plan fun different dates. Get creative. There are many fun things you can do together, such as hiking, taking walks, biking, going to a park, seeing a movie or a concert, eating out, or working on hobbies or projects. Keep up good relationship. Keep up good relationships with friends and family. Just because you're in a happy romantic relationship or in a happy non-romantic relationship <laughs> doesn't mean that other relationships should stop mattering as much. In a healthy partnership, both of you will continue to be close with your friends and family, and you will have a life outside of the life you have together. Remember, one person in one relationship can't even meet all your needs. Most partners don't want to be pressured to spend every waking hour together. Most of us benefit from time and space on our own. First tip, keep up a hobby that you like even if your partner's uninterested. You've always been into bike riding, but your partner would rather go shopping. You decide to check out new rails even though it means you won't spend the afternoon together. Two, make time each week for close friends and family in person slash or, or over the phone. Example, you are tempted to devote the entire weekend to your partner, but instead you decide to catch up with a friend. Three, Don't pressure your partner to give up friends or family to change plans. When you find out your partner's going with friends on a Friday night, you say have a great time and you make your own plans. Four, don't look to your partner to be your everything. You usually complain about your boss to your partner, but they're tired of listening. See how about talking with one of your friends instead? You also get a fresh point of view. Here we go. Get spicy. Make the most of your sex life together. For starters, you for starters, you should never pressure each other to do something sexually that you don't want to do. But there's much more to a good sex life than just talking about your boundaries. Talk about your desires and fantasies too. Throughout your relationship, keep checking with your partner about what they like and don't like. Together, you can decide to try new things. See action step three for more tips on talking about sexual desires. How express intimacy in our sexual feelings can change. Especially if we've been together for a long time or as we get older, and your sexual appetite might increase or decrease at different points in your life. Other forms of physical touch might be or become just as important as the act of sex. Touching each other in different ways, cuddling and being companions can also keep things sensual. Sometimes couples, monogamous and non-monogamous, have mismatched sex drives. Your partner wants less sex than they used to, but it doesn't necessarily mean they aren't as into you, it's best to open discuss your concerns with your partner and try to find a solution that works and makes both of you feel good. Okay. Tip. Example. One. Don't pressure your partner to do something they're not comfortable with. You suggest trying a new sex position, but it doesn't appeal to your partner, so you agree, so you agree that you won't bring it up again. Now it's up to your partner to let you know if they change their mind. Two. Don't worry so much about how much sex you're having. You're both happy and feel close, but you're not having as much sex as you used to. Instead of worrying about what this means, remind each other that many couples, monogamous and non-monogamous, have less sex over time. Or the amount of sex they're having might go up and down. Three, ask your partner if they want to try something new. You and your partner tend to have sex the same way every time. You ask whether they want to try something that isn't part of your current quote-unquote sexual routine. Four, discuss and address different sex drives. You want sex more often than your partner. You could ask what you can do differently to turn them on. You could also discuss what to do when you're in the mood, whether they aren't, or vice versa. Five, expand your definition of intimacy. Beyond sexual intercourse, discuss other ways you can be sensual, such as how you both like to be touched and kissed. There's a big menu out there. Six, address any sexual problems or concerns, such as sexual functioning, pain during sex, or relationship concerns. Discuss any sexual problems or concerns with your health care provider slash or a sex therapist. They can suggest different medications slash or therapies to address these concerns. See the resource list at the end of this step for organizations that can assist. Okay. All right. 
talk openly and be willing to compromise. If you're not sure what you want in a relationship, spend some time thinking about it. Ask yourself, what do I need to feel secure and happy? Then, clo- then clearly share those needs with your partner. It can be scary being so honest, but these talks often bring you closer together. Sometimes your needs won't line up with your partner's needs. When this happens, try to find a solution that works for both of you. It's true that you should not compromise on some basic needs like feeling love, feeling physically safe, and practicing safer sex. But being in a relationship does mean balancing the desires of two people. Note, this type of open, direct communication could be dangerous if you are in an abusive relationship or you are afraid that your partner might react badly or violently. It's best to seek help before you bring up issues that might upset your partner and lead to any form of violence. See the resource list at the end of this step for hotline numbers. This is 5actionsteps.org slash 4 if you want to read this for yourself. First tip, think about your needs. Example, you've been feeling a little unhappy in your relationship and don't know why. Ask yourself, why does what does my partner do that makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? What have I liked about my other relationships? What have I disliked and what makes me feel secure and loved? To be specific about what you want, you wish your partner was more interested in your life. Instead of telling your partner to act more interested, you could say, sometimes I feel like we only talk about what's going on in your life. I really... I would really like you to ask more questions about my day. Three, advocate for what you want changed in a positive way. You want your partner to spend less time on their phone, texting, posting. Explain how you really like spending time together, but you sometimes feel ignored. Suggest having some designated phone-free hours. Four, try to compromise when you can't agree. You are a social butterfly who loves having weekends packed full of activities with friends. Your partner prefers spending time alone with you, so you can compromise. Aim for one night with just the two of you and one night out with friends. Disagree fairly without causing lasting harm. While it's normal to disagree from time to time, you can avoid real damage by arguing in a fair way. This means calmly explaining why you're upset and focusing on specific behaviors or examples. It's best to avoid name-calling and making global attacks on your partner's character. Also, avoid saying things just to make your partner angry or to hurt their feelings. Even when you're angry, there should be a line that you do not cross, and it's best not to make empty threats to leave the relationship just to upset your partner. No one is perfect, and we all make mistakes, so it's important to apologize when you do mess up and to ask your partner to forgive you, and you should expect your partner to do the same. However, if you think the behavior is abusive, a different course of action is required. Learn more about the warning signs of abuse. In most arguments, you can usually find some common ground. Work together to find a solution you can both agree on. Building a healthy relationship is a process, and healthy arguments are part of it. They can help you better understand us and satisfy each other's needs. Sometimes after an argument, you may still feel like feel a little angry. If you have both said what you want to say, it's best to try to let go of your anger and move on. Some solutions that may work give each other a little space and spend an hour doing your own thing. Or do something fun together, like taking a walk. You might give each other a hug, but it might not seem appealing at the time. You'll probably feel a little better and a little closer. Here are the tips. Really listen and repeat back what you hear. Example, you're arguing with your partner. Instead of trying to make all your points first, really listen to what they're saying. And repeat back what you heard to make sure that you got it right. Two, start with I statements that explain how your partner's actions make you feel. You're upset about how little time your partner spends with your family. Instead of saying you don't care at all about my family, say, I would love for you to spend more time with me and my family. It's much more fun when you're there. Three, focus on specifics rather than labels or name-calling. Your partner likes to post revealing pictures on Instagram. Instead of saying, it seems like you're such an attention hog, you say, I don't like when you post revealing photos of yourself. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Or find a solution to the argument. You're angry that your partner often gets home late at night without telling you in advance, so you agree to tell each other when you plan to be home and to call if you will be more than 15 minutes late. Um... Set digital boundaries. Okay. Just like you set other boundaries, you might want to discuss digital boundaries with your partners. With Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Tumblr, and cell phones, communicating digitally can get complicated and easily cause problems. When it comes to the digital world, think about what makes you feel comfortable and the limits you like to set. Then discuss them with your partner and make a digital agreement. This agreement can include hard and fast rules such as no posting of revealing photos. It can also include general guidelines such as not texting multiple times when you're out with friends. If other concerns come up during a relationship, agree to discuss them and update your agreement if needed. You might discuss topics such as 
when and how often is it okay to text me? For example, when you know I'm out having dinner with a friend before you go to school in the morning, how quickly do you how quickly do you expect me to respond to a text? For example, what's a reasonable time frame to respond? Will you get angry if I don't respond right away? Is it okay to use each other's devices? Is it okay to post, tweet, or comment about our relationship? How do you feel about sexting or sending revealing photos or posting anything about our sexual relationship? What happens to these images if our relationship ends? A word about privacy, think carefully about before sharing your passwords with anyone. You are entitled to digital privacy. Once you give your passwords to a partner, that person has total access to all your content. They can post anything without your permission. If you want if y'all trust each other like that, make sure y'all stay together and not break up and not leave each other. You know what I'm saying? Recognize the warning signs of an abusive relationship. No relationship is perfect, and truth be told, many of us can do a better job. We can be nicer, more willing to compromise and argue fairly, and argue fairly even when fired up. However, an abusive relationship is not something that you work on to make better. It's usually best to get out of an abusive situation as soon as it's safe to do so. Call 911, and they will help you with prosecution concerns. There you go. And you have a clear exit plan in place. See the resources at the end of this step to get help. Abuse can take many forms. It's usually defined as doing hurtful things to get power and control over another human being. It violates a person's sense of trust and feeling of safety. Abuse is not only physical or sexual. It can be emotional, verbal, digital, or financial. Abusive partners are often very controlling, threatening, possessive, or violent. In many abusive relationships, a partner isn't abusive all the time. The abuse often occurs in episodes that may be spaced far apart between periods of joyful times in a relationship. Wondering if your partner is mistreating or abusing you? Some of the common warning signs below might be helpful. Remember, trust your instincts. If you believe someone is abusing or treating you badly, they probably are. Remember, there's never, in capital letters, an excuse for this behavior, and you should never, in capital letters again, blame yourself. Type of abuse, emotional slash verbal. Examples and warning signs. Often criticizes you, puts you down, yells at you, has an explosive temper, curses you out, threatens you, often tells you what to do, tries to control your decisions, extremely jealous, extremely possessive, demands an, an excessive amount of your time, isolates you from family and friends, accuses you of doing things you didn't do, unreliable, cancels plans at last minute, threatens to reveal your sexual orientation, your gender identity, and your sex characteristics, and slash your... Um, your um, your sexuality without your permission all these without your permission frequently lies to you engages in gaslighting makes it seem like the problem is all your fault engages in gaslighting makes it seem like the problem is all your fault or all your fault or that you're overreacting guilt tripping combined with threats such as I'll kill myself if you leave me if I can't nobody will the Sexual pressures you, pressures you to engage in sexual activity, threatens you if you don't engage in sexual activity, forces you to engage in sexual activity without your consent, including rape, forces you to engage in sexual activity when you are asleep, intoxicated or under influence of drugs without your consent, pressures or forces you to engage in unsafe slash unprotected sex without birth control and slash your condoms, pressures you to become pregnant or end a pregnancy when you don't want to, Engaged in stealthing, takes off the condom during sex without your consent. Lies about sexual health status, for example, doesn't disclose that they have an STI that can be transmitted to a partner. Physical, uses any physical force against you, such as hitting, punching, beating, pushing, kicking, shooting, or stabbing. Makes threats of physical violence, stalks you. Digital, constantly calls or texts you. Tries to monitor where you are and who you're with digital stalking. Demands constant contact and quick replies to messages slash posts. Sends unwanted controlling and threatening messages. Demands your passwords. Posts your private photos, messages, and information without your permission. Harasses you via social media channels, including posting, quote-unquote, revenge porn. It can be tough to recognize and admit that you're in an abusive relationship. It can also be tough to decide to leave a relationship, even if it's abusive. But remember, it's not usually possible to fix someone who's mistreating you. If you're wondering whether your relationship is abusive, you can contact a professional organization or hotline that specializes in these issues. Many organizations located throughout the country can provide valuable support, and they can help you deal with the situation and create a safe exit plan before you take action. However, if you're in immediate danger, again, call 911. 
You can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE-4673 or have an online chat with a specialist at www.online.rain.org. Specialists are available 24 hours a day slash 7 days a week and it's confidential. Or you can contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAVE-7233 to get support and advice. Young people can also go to loveisrespect.org, call 1-866-331-9474 or text LOVEIS to 22522. Okay, last one. Handling breakups. For most of us, breakups are a natural part of relationships. Learning how to deal with them can help soften the impact. So why do relationships end? Common causes of breakups include your feelings for your partner change. Your partner might not be treating you well. You don't want to be in a relationship anymore. Even if you or your partner want to break up, dealing with it can still be tough. Can be tough. Dealing with it can still be tough for both of you. To learn more about how to, to break up in a kind of respectful way, you can click here if you want to get on the site. This site can also help you deal with a breakup. Final thoughts. Building and keeping up. Good relationships takes time, attention, and practice. If you like these tips, share them with your partner to help you get on the same page and pass them on to your friends. To learn more, please check out the resources below. Remember, we all hit bumps in the road and none of us or our relationships are perfect. But even so, healthy romantic relationships and healthy non-romantic relationships, all both types of healthy relationships can make us happy. Okay. So, in my... Um, healthy sexual relationships with women we both respect each other we feel safe we feel a close intimate bond we are open and honest we you know our healthy sexual relationship feels balanced we don't argue we just gently and calmly uh arrive at resolutions and proper conclusions. Um, and our healthy sex relationship does bring us joy. And uh, also in the healthy sex relationships with women, we respect and look out for each other. We appreciate and make time for one another. We keep up good relationships with our friends and our family. We make the most of our sex life together. We talk openly and we're willing to appropriately compromise. That's what we do. Um, we do if we do disagree or agree, it's always fairly without causing any harm. Um, we have healthy digital boundaries set firmly and we maintain that. There's no such thing as, a, as abusive relationships between myself and women at all. Um, and as for breakups, because we're not in a committed relationship, we don't have breakups, but we deal with things before those things can split us apart and we deal with them well. And so all the tips and examples that are good are part of my healthy sexual relationships with women. Okay. Um, This is going to be quick and easy. Um, Nine signs you're in a healthy relationship. There's more to a great union than sexual attraction common interests. It's how to know if your partnership is healthy by Jessica Nagala. Medically reviewed by Justin Lobb, MD. Last updated February 12, 2020. One of the hallmarks of a healthy relationship is giving each other enough space to pursue different goals. Uh, you and your partner love trying new restaurants together, going on long bike rides and traveling. But when it comes to being he- happy and healthy in a relationship, there are other things to consider besides having common interests. What exactly makes a relationship healthy? A great relationship is a safe place for both people to love, honor, and respect one another. Say Shannon for how? A leadership and relationship coach in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. You can, you can communicate your wants, needs, and boundaries as well as listen to the other person. No matter how you identify, a healthy relationship is important to cultivate because the opposite, a toxic relationship, takes a toll on your quality of life by heightening depression, anxiety, impacting sleep, causing you to take up unhealthy habits, and even impacting health, heart health, says Mary Jo Rapini, licensed intimacy and sex psych, psychotherapist in Houston. Being in a high-quality romantic relationship is associated with greater well-being. 
Portrait Study, published August 20, 2019 in the journal Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. Being single is far better for someone's well-being than being in a less happy partnership, the study found. That's more. Many couples in healthy relationships don't know that they are, especially if they grew up in a household where it was the norm to just grab penny. So it's all the important. So it's all the more important to be able to identify where you stand. Here are nine signs you and your mate are good match. Number one, not afraid to speak up. It's easy to know what your partner does. It's easy to know when your partner does something you don't like. Maybe they don't call you for two days or don't help around the house when you live together. But it's not always easy to speak up and tell your significant other how you're feeling. This takes a lot of strength, self-confidence, and courage because you have to come from a vulnerable place. Says how in a healthy relationship you feel secure enough to be open with your partner. Two, trust is at the core of the relationship. Trust is foundational in relationships, but with social media and cell phones, it can become all too easy to snoop. But in a healthy relationship, you don't need to do that. And in part, that's because your partner shows you they're trustworthy. They're reliable and available. When they say they'll be there, they'll be there, says Brad Penny. They also show you the trust. They, they also show you they trust you by giving you the freedom and space you need without checking up on you constantly. That includes checking your phone, she says. Three, you know each other's love language or lust languages, even though you can have compassionate love for your partners if you're in non-serious relationships. There you go. Many couples swear by the book, The Five Love Languages, for a reason. It, in it, you discover your partner's love language, the way they prefer to give and receive love, through words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. In a healthy relationship, you've taken the time to learn each other's love language so you can express your love in a way that works for you both, says how. Four, you agree to disagree on certain issues. Every couple fights. Or, the best way to put it, every couple has their disagreements. But contrary to what you might think, you don't need to fix every issue. In fact, it's okay to have a handful of topics that you two will never agree on. Sometimes it's totally fine to agree to disagree. I think that's healthy fighting, healthy disagreeing, I say, explains Brad Penny. In healthy relationships, there are at least five issues that are no talkers. They're the issues that you both differ in opinion, that you both differ in opinion and perspective on. That's okay. Or maybe it's not really no talking. It's whenever y'all do talk about it, you always evolve on the matter. Five, you encourage each other to go after your goals. Many of us have a dream or vision for our life, especially as we age. Want to maintain those visions as how, according to how. It's okay if your dreams don't align with one another as long as you honor and encourage each other to achieve your goals. You can help each other with each other's dreams, even if that's not your dream. But, you know, support, mutual support. Six, you and your partner hold separate interests. Couples that have the greatest love affairs are the ones who are able to maintain their interests, but don't put guilt on their partner for not sharing it with them, she says. Meaning both of you encourage the other to explore what they love on their own. Hal agrees, adding that while it's easy to adopt your partner's habits and interests over time, becoming over-reliant on each other can breed resentment. Developing and investing in yourself builds self-confidence, self-love, and joy, she says. Seven, you're comfortable in your own skin. When you're in a relationship, it's crucial to know your strengths and weaknesses, says Hal. Maybe you're confident around your friends, but self-conscious at work, or you know that little things like your partner forgetting to take out the trash can set you off. Whatever your strengths and weaknesses are, being aware of them can help you reach a point of loving and accepting yourself, which in turn can help you love and accept your partner. 8. Boundaries are honored and respected. A healthy relationship means you're both on the same team. In a healthy relationship, both partners discuss and agree upon the important subjects that are meaningful to one another. Says how she gives the example of budgeting for something big like her vacation. An unsupportive partner in an unhealthy relationship doesn't honor that goal, but they may sabotage it by trying to get you to splurge on something unnecessary. But they may try to but they may sabotage it by trying to get you to splurge on something unnecessary. If you can talk it out with your partner and they acknowledge and understand your boundaries, that's a good sign, notes how. However, if your partner repeatedly ignores what you value, including your boundaries, that's concerning, she says. By the way, you can block contact information, keep people from your home, restraining orders if you have to, and you can remove people from your life and keep them out. Note to self. Nine, you feel happy and supportive. That's the last one. Once the initial late, once the initial elation of a new relationship wears off, check in with yourself. Do you feel happy and supported by your partner? How are you leading self-esteem? If you feel any strain or lack of support, talk to your significant other. It's the healthy thing to do. Feeling unhappy in a relationship can lead to health problems down the road. According to a study published in July 2015 in the Journal of Affective Disorders, which looked at nearly 5,000 adults over age 50 who were partnered up having 
Regular negative interactions in a relationship increases likelihood of suffering from depression and anxiety and is even linked to suicidal thoughts, likely because dysfunction drives up day-to-day stress. On the other hand, strong partnerships protect people when they're in the midst of a crisis, exactly the time they need someone on their side. So in my relationships with women, um, including our sexual relationship, sexual relationships, we're not afraid to speak up. Trust is at the core of our relationship. Um, we know each other's love languages and lust languages. Um, we agree to disagree if that ever happens. Um, we encourage each other to go after our own goals and the goals we share. We hold separate interests and mutual interests. Um, we're comfortable in our own skins. Our boundaries are honored and respected, the individual and collective. And we feel happy, joyful, elated, excited, euphoric, and supported. Okay. So let me get to the physical. This is the last time. I've done this before, but you can listen to it again because I put something new to it. Sometimes when you put something old with something new, you get an evolution of perceptive insightfulness, okay? Here we go. So here's what I sexually do with women. Um, Here we go. Facking. Let's start with group sex, right? For some are far away. Um, sex between four people. Right? That means myself and three women. Uh, threesome or three-way. Um, myself and two women. Menage trois. Myself is the only guy and the other remaining partners are women. Uh, Menage Quatre, myself and three women. Menage Trois, myself and two women. Um, Okay. Let's see. If there's a orgy, I'm the only guy and the other partners are women. So that too. Second party slash gathering. It's just me as the only guy and the other people are women. So I do that. I did a sex party myself and women comes to just sex. Me as the only dude. Um... That's about it on the group sex thing. You know, we are, we do group myself and women. Myself is the only guy, and other people are women. Um, you know, our group sex happens in private and public places, and not to exclude, you know. Sex parties, swinger gatherings, sex clubs, brothels and bizarre fathers, hotel rooms, private clubs, phones, and so on and so forth. That's just me talking my fantasies and living in what I always imagine. Okay. Um, sex positions. Let's see. Women and I engage in exclusively penetrative positions. We have penetrating partner on top with front entry positions, penetrating from behind positions, doggy style positions. Um, The spoons positions. There's the woman on top position, receiving partner on top position. The lateral coital position. Um, We have, you know, lap dance position 
and sitting and kneeling positions. We do standing positions, you know, Kama Sutra type positions. Between myself and women, there's anal sex positions. And we do less common positions, the positions that um, are called the T-square, the modified T-square. Um, we even try the power driver, but it doesn't hurt us. And we have firm furniture used to support each other. We do the rusty bike pump. And we do basically the positions that um, are not as known, but we do those too. And we do scissors positions and all kinds of positions to sum it up. We do every position you can think of. And we do positions in sex acts using furniture special apparatus. We do sex positions during pregnancy. You know, if they got pregnant but they're not in a relationship with that person and, you know, we're in a healthy, um, we have healthy dynamics, then it's not a problem. The person won't come after us, we're good. And we do sex positions to promote or prevent conception. Um, we do non exclusively penetrative positions. We do oral sex positions, fellatio positions, sitting positions, standing positions, lying positions, all oral sex positions. We do cunnilingus. Um, we do 69, we do analingus, we do fingering of the vulva of the gyner anus, we do, we do the shocker, and we do the fisting. And we do non-penetrative positions, we do orgasmic meditation and orgasmic control, um, mammary intercourse, foot jobs, hand jobs, fingering, dry humping, intra masturbation, bumping, grinding. Um, yeah, I, you know, I witnessed tribalism or tribbing, two females mutually rubbing the ballet together, and I do intercruel sex or interfornoral sex, right, so yeah, and we do humping too, so, yep. We do the very common positions and we do all the less common positions to sum it all up to make life easy. Okay. Uh, What else? Hmm. We have unconventional sex and conventional sex. Engage in hookup culture uh, and casual sex, casual dating, casual relationships. Um, romantic friendships. Um, for example, we're holding hands, cuddling, hugging, kissing, giving massages, sharing a bed, sexual intercourse, and other sexual expressions. That's what we do. We have all we have all kinds of intimacies, especially physical intimacy and emotional intimacy. And we do have an intimate relationship. Um, we engage in um, non-monogamy, casual, promiscuity, promiscuous, promiscuous relationships, and um, we have social support. We have interpersonal ties, interpersonal attraction, interpersonal communication. Uh, and we're just interpersonal, we have interpersonal relationships, romantic friendships, we do, um, did I say casual sex, casual dating, casual relationships, okay, I just did, making sure I did, um, we have intellectual intimacy, 
and uh, conflict intimacy and um, mental intimacy for sure. Um, oh, my relationships with women. Let's see here. Let let let's get um, really specific. The little time I have. In my relationships with women. There's an, there's an embrace of strip clubs, sex dolls, sex toys, sex shops, sex museums, erotica, curiosa, pornography, prostitution, all the other kinds of sex work involving myself and groups of women. Um... In the entire sex industry, myself and women. And um, adult video games are cool. Female sex tourism is good as long as we are both adults. So the kind of female sectorism I like is it's me and women, all consensual um, and all respectful. That's it. And that's the kind of sectorism I was referring to. Oh, I'm a person. I'm a person who loves casinos. By the way, I really like casino. I really like casinos, um, and I really like partying. I'm partying. I really like dancing. Love to get my groove on, and um, okay. There's erotic massages, dry humping, foot jobs, hand jobs, erinatio, intercrural sex, intergluteal sex, mammary intercourse, stimulation of nipples, sumata, tri. Not Sumata, no, 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 no. No, yes, yeah, Sumata, yes, yes, Sumata. Uh, tribadism, uh, fingering, oral sex, uh, mutual masturbation, autoeroticism, penetrative sex, sexual intercourse, anal sex, oral sex, analingus, cunnilingus, fellatio, masturbation, fingering, anal masturbation, fisting, eroticism, sex toys, uh, facial, group sex, vanilla sex, sexual role play, bondage, discipline, dominance, and submission, uh, uh, erotic spanking, and this and equipment and sexual slang, sexual fetishism, partialism. Um, let's see, Venus butterfly, tea bagging, um, quickie, pompor, um, felching, and cyber sex, cum shot, and Aerogenisms, G-spots, moaning, groaning, um, grunting, consensual directory language using of any kind, and we have what is called regular sex, all the sound, all the typical sounds and talking and dirty talking, erotic talking, erotica talking that people do, and then we have porn sex. That's self-explanatory. So, yeah. And in my healthy relationships, you know, oh, by the way, I'm supportive of polyamory, polygamy, polyandry, polygyny, polygynandry, uh, cohabitation, living together without being married, community relationships, courtships, uh, open, plural, and multiple marriages and relationships. Um, I support domestic partnerships and civil unions and female-led relationships, um, same-sex relationships. Um, And I support common law marriages too. So... I support all open, plural, multiple relationships and marriages as long as they're all of gender equality and sexual equality and gender and sexual diversity equality. So, yeah. 
I have all, all things me are natural, consensual, ethical, mindful, humane, legal, and morally excellent, as I say, meaning that I, I'm self-respecting and I, and I respect other people. And I have an extra high sex drive. Sky high. I'm hypersexual and exhibitionist without all the problems. 